You talking to me? Welcome in. We are back to help give a scrappy little movie an audience. You know, try to, try to carve out a few viewers if it can. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we are from madwolf.com, and we've got a big one. My dear Belle, you're so ahead of your time. This is a small village, and it's small-minded as well. But small also means safe. He's a thief. Come into the light. Look, a girl. Who said that? Hello. <gasps> you can talk. Hello, of course. It's all he ever does. What happens when the last petal falls? The Nastel remains a beast forever. And we become antiques. We've got Beauty and the Beast this week, and we've got a smaller horror movie, and we'll talk about why horror movies often open on a week like this. But, you know, we've disguised this as a podcast. We've disguised it as talking about movies. But actually, you don't know this. This is an intervention. We're staging an intervention against your hatred for movie musicals. We're finally going to try to get to the bottom of this. You just, you just don't like them. You know what, George? I saw one a couple weeks ago. It's a Polish... Vampire Mermaid musical. Oh, like that. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we know you love the Rocky Horror. Indeed. But Indeed other than I that, do. they just don't work for you. No, I'm not. No. And you're not exactly sure why. Can I, we? It's because my, see, my theory is that I have no sense of whimsy. But as you said a couple of weeks ago when the uh, commercial for Beauty and the, Be- Beauty and the Beast came on TV, yeah. I have no soul. That's what you said. <laughs> Or maybe he said I have a black, black soul. I forget exactly what it was, but you, you made disparaging comments about my soul. Because you love the musical. I enjoy the musical. You love the musical. You love it. I do. Uh, I, I enjoy musicals, and I don't know whether it's because, you know, the difference here. I I grew up more with musicals. I mean, you did you did have some musicals. In your... I mean, my mom would listen to, to, like, musical soundtracks and things, but not to the degree that your mom did. My yeah. mom likes some crooners. Yeah, but in, more than listening to the soundtracks, I'm talking about watching musicals, seeing musicals on stage. Did you do any of that? Never saw a musical on stage, okay. ever. And the thing is, from the time I was little, I remember when my mom made me watch West Side Story, and I oh, thought, yeah. well, that's quaint and weird. And then, like, I don't know what the next one was, and I thought, done. <laughs> Just done. Uh, why are they singing right now? This is stupid. You know what? Whoever said you had a black soul... <laughs> And but now to be tr- to be fair, I enjoyed the the Disney animated version of Beauty and the Beast. I didn't not I think to the degree maybe that you did, but like everybody else, I mean, <clears throat> cinematically it was it was so so beautiful, and for me it was really in a lot of ways in the story and the music certainly and 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 in the you know just the visuals of it a notch above anything Disney had ever done. Yeah, for those who don't remember, the 1991 Beauty and the Beast uh, was the first animated film to be nominated for overall best picture uh i mean think about that it took until 1991 and disney had a few good movies Uh, yeah you know uh, up until then but uh it broke the barrier has there been one since toy story toy story another oh not a musical but so so good but uh yeah and the crazy thing was if i read this right that when they first started i mean 
this was going to be remade eventually. You knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I've read, the eventual, the, or the, the initial discussions did not involve it being a musical. And what? Are you drunk? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. A- and whoever it was, maybe director Bill Condon, helped talk some sense into these people because the original soundtrack from Alan Menken and Howard Ashman is one of the all-time best from Disney. So good. And Bill Condon is the director here. He directed Dream Girls, among mm-hmm. other things, a few mm-hmm. years ago. Another uh, very good musical. And what this does, this movie does, above all else, is celebrates those songs. They're fantastic. Uh, the ones you know Yep. be our guest. And uh, the ones that maybe you've forgotten about. And there's some new. There's not only some new lyrics that weren't used in the animated version, but there's some new uh, Tim Rice, lyricist Tim Rice comes in. And so there's some new newer music as well. So, but, for example, Gaston, right? The song Gaston. Yeah. I think probably not one of the ones from the original that people remember so much. You said they livened it up. They made it longer. But also, in keeping, like, Luke Evans... Scene stealer. Yeah. So good as Gaston. He is a scene stealer, and that is a, a, a well well done, one of the many well done musical numbers, because Bill Condon knows how to stage a showstopper mm-hmm. or two, and he varies it up with what the what the song kind of asks for, because that song is more of a big, you know, the camera zooms and pans and, and pulls out, you see all this village folk choreography, and it, it's fun, and then you get to the title song, very intimate, in some cases, if you go back a long way with this story, you know, you've got some decades-long investment in these stories, and so you're going to give that song a more intimate uh, showing, a little more intimate treatment. But, yeah, he knows, Bill Conda knows how to uh, craft a musical, and um, he certainly does it here, and it looks fantastic. I mean, if you can see the IMAX 3D version, I know it costs more, but, boy, this is one where it's worth it. It looks fantastic. Now, I just want to pause there because I would say at least 85% of the time, we don't really recommend that you pay the extra bucks to see it on the biggest and the most 3D-ish, right. you know, because so often it just seems like a cash grab. But in this particular case, I mean, yes, they I, take full advantage. It is worth it. And the funny thing is, there's an I- irony there, as great as it looks, the face of Beast is a little distracting that instead of going with just makeup on the actor Dan Stevens, uh, they chose to do the full CGI face. And as great as CGI can be these days, still when it comes to faces, face, no. I mean, it's amazing, but it's not quite there. So, for And so me, it becomes a distraction. For me, it was a little a little distracting. I would have liked to have seen them go just the, the makeup. Because, you know, they can do amazing things with makeup. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen them maybe do do the uh, makeup route for the Beast. But the rest of the characters, you know, Lumiere and Cogsworth and all all the other uh, housewares and furniture, they look fantastic. They're so fun. Uh, the supporting cast, you've got Emma Thompson and Kevin Klein and Ian, McGregor. Ian, McKe- Ian, McKellen. Yeah, Ian McKellen. Ian McGregor as Lumiere, Audra McDonald, and, um, and so many. And they're all... Josh Gad. Yeah, Josh Gad, of course, has Gaston's BFF LeFoe. And you know, that has been talked about a lot, and as you might expect, it, it turns out to be much ado about nothing. So he plays the, the what they're calling, openly gay character. Yeah, but it's so, so subtle. Well, it, you know, as far as I'm concerned, about time. It's about time. Well, yeah, and but if, as usual in these matters, or as, as can be expected in these matters, it's just so much loud talking about very little. If, sure. If no one would have ever said anything, you would have just gone, huh. 
this it's really much ado about nothing. Although there are a couple moments because of this quote unquote brouhaha, there are there are a couple moments, a couple bits of dialogue in the movie that maybe have a little bit more gravity because of that. It's like maybe the 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 filmmakers knew people would throw a fit. Yeah. Um, so it's it, in in that case, if they did, it was well played. There's a couple of moments that play upon that uh, if you're looking for them, and the final. The, the dance finale, once everybody turns back into their true selves and there's a big ballroom dance, just watch his dance partners, and it, it gets a little little wink and a nod there. So, yeah, much ado about nothing, but as I said, the supporting cast, great. Emma Watson as Belle, uh, a lot of talk about her, and I think she's fine. I mean— As she, you know, she's not my favorite. Right. I, I think I, I respect her as a human, and I think she's—you <laughs> know, I mean, she's, she's very smart, and I like the things that she's—but I just don't think she can act. She does a fine job, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a character that I think it was clear they wanted to make Belle a little more well-rounded, you know, not just the wannabe princess waiting for her specialness to be revealed. I mean, that's well, there is the some original, of that she there. Was, she's a smart girl. She reads a lot. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, so I mean, for the time, for 1991 and for the Disney canon, she was pretty break the mold in terms right. of and princesses. Right, and they go a little bit more down that road, nice. making her more of the inventor of nice, the family next nice. to her father, played by Kevin Klein. So they make her a little bit more hardy, a little bit more industrious in that way. Her her singing is fine. I would say neither one of her performance or her singing is stupendous, but I think it's totally fine. If if a bit bland next to scene stealers like uh, Luke Evans as a Gaston and some of the um, some of the CGI mm-hmm. uh, housewares and things like that. But I, I thought she did a fine job. But it's really the supporting cast that shines more mm-hmm. uh, in this particular in this particular cast. But again, it all comes for me. It all comes back to the music, and they are staged fantastically. Hmm. It looks great. I will say, at least for the little little ones, when, when I saw the movie, when we saw the movie, there was a part once the. The villagers get rallied by Gaston to go storm the castle. One little one by me got a little scared, Mm -hmm. uh, and she had to leave. She did come back and everything. So it's going to be a huge family film. Don't get me wrong there. But um, just word of caution, there is a couple of scary, intense moments that the very little ones might, might get a little nervous. But... Other than that, it's it's going to make a couple of bucks. <laughs> I think it's set the record already in the last week uh, for pre-sales, pre-ticket sales, which is amazing. If you think about if you think about the the hoopla over Star Wars, yeah, uh, you know the when they when they when they came out two years ago, not this last one. The last Rogue One certainly did well, but. To think that Beauty and the Beast outsold the pre-ticket sales for Star Wars is, is amazing. We well, you know family films often do well mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. and this one has a lot of a lot of expectation. And you've got the nostalgia factor oh, yeah. with the parents who saw it as kids, and they're going to be rewarded greatly. And then you've got the kids who are going to be seeing it for the first time, sure. and so you can share in that. It's a I can definitely see it being a big family event. Going to be a lot of soundtracks sold, and these. These songs will get their just due again. So yeah, you know what's interesting is that when I first started seeing, so I couldn't have had any less interest in this movie. I couldn't have. <laughs> and I remember, like you know, reading that um, you know on YouTube, uh, this trailer had been watched more than anything that had ever been posted in the history of YouTube. And I remember thinking, like, really? Who cares? But it, and but in similarly, you know, when um, Jungle Book came out last year, at that that with that one, I thought I don't want this to be done. I didn't. I was against it because I love, as you do, the Jungle Book, the cartoon. 
And I loved that movie. I It was in my top yeah. 10 of the year. I yeah. loved the Jungle Book movie. So I think at some point I need to just get past the idea that they can't make really, truly worthwhile live-action versions of their movies. I'm with you because the Jungle Book was, for me, that was the movie in my childhood, the Jungle Book. Right. And I was very wary. I really was, as you know. I thought they were going to do something like they did to How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Sure. Um, so I was, and I'm with you. The Jungle Book was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not quite as good, but mm-hmm. but still quite good. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you. What they can do now, it's it's best to kind of hold out hold out some hope that all right, let's wait and see uh, what they can do. Now, of course, if if they would have done this as a non musical, then uh, what? But you know, <laughs> if if that's true. But anyway, uh, cooler heads prevailed. And, they, and they've done a fine job. So you're right. Things can be rebooted with the right talent. Uh, it, it can be done well. And this is, uh, I think this is definitely one where, where they got it right. Beauty and the Beast recommendation this week. And it's destined to make some serious bucks at the box office. So what is going to have the cojones to open next to this movie this week? Well, it's a, a little one where a twisted social experiment occurs. 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in Columbia and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed. This one's called the Belco Experiment. Belco is a nonprofit organization that facilitates American companies in South America. All employees, lend me your full attention. Hey, it's Jesus. Your chance of survival increases by following my orders. Your task is simply this. Kill three of your co-workers, or we will kill six others. Hey, all the lines are dead. Stage one, commence. His head exploded from the inside. What? When we start working here, they put tracers in the back of our heads. You must not remove the tag from your body. Follow our directives, or we will detonate the explosive. Begin. So as you said, we were going to talk for a second about why a film like this would come out this weekend. Well, here's why. If you have zero interest whatsoever, if you're in the minority that is not going to go see Beauty and the Beast, what might appeal to you? Well, a horror movie might appeal to you, as it would to me. Yep. The families are taking care of this week. This is very anti-family. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, what's interesting is that I was as geeked about this movie as some people were about Beauty and the Beast. Now, I mean, I know some people were like over the top, but I was very excited about the book. I I know for two reasons. Number one is that the director, Greg McLean, directed Wolf Creek. Now, to be fair, he hasn't done anything we're seeing since Wolf Creek, but we are both big fans of that film. Yeah, Wolf Creek, if you don't know, it's a brutal, brutal, brutal did I say brutal? <laughs> Horror movie set in the Australian outback. And even though it's what's the word? Brutal. <laughs> it's well done. It's incredibly well done. We both enjoyed it. Love so I'm it. with you. The fact that he was directing this was a plus. And the writer. That's the bigger thing. James Gunn wrote this screenplay. So you may not know James Gunn. We know him. I know him primarily from Slither, which is a 2006 like creature feature horror comedy that I absolutely adore that he wrote and directed. You might know him from a little thing called Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So James Gunn wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy. And the idea that he wrote the screenplay, Greg McClain directed it, it seemed like a very fascinating premise, and the cast is chock full of really talented character actors, right? Tony Goldwyn, John McGinley, uh, John C. Gallagher, uh, Greg Henry, um, 
Michael Rooker. Yeah. You know, so I was just, I was. I was very excited about this. I was too. And you can see by the premise, all right, well, there's probably going to be a lot of social commentary here, a lot of metaphors, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. But to me, it never quite found the tone of what it was going to do. It never really said anything new. It never really went anywhere surprising and it just kind of by it meandered to the end i suppose there's a bit of a twist at the end i suppose but by by the time we got there i was kind of like eh. no i agree with you i was i was sorely disappointed in this movie because it was just bland james gunn has a an unusual sense of humor about him and the films that he writes and directs have a very charming quirky comedic comedic element to them. He also wrote the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which was great. It's one of my favorite zombie movies. I, I like uh, that too, yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of comedy there. So but so it's not like he can't write something for somebody else to direct, but still some for some reason I lay this at Greg McLean's feet because it's a great cast and because I feel like he could have done found like you're saying, found a better tone. But all in all, I mean every character is exactly what you expect him to be. Every actor plays the character you most expect him to play. There are no surprises in this movie, and then there also are not really any inventive kills in this movie, even if you're just going straight for horror. Right, and I think there are, as it goes along, you see opportunities where if they wanted to go the more comedic route, they could have done that right. with some of the characters. But Or they could have been you know, a little more biting with social commentary, yes, and that was lacking as well. Very much so. You've got the one character played by uh, John Gallagher, Okay, maybe the straw dogs type of guy there, the sure. guy who is a pacifist a little bit, you know, doesn't want to resort to violence. Cooler heads prevail kind of guy. Yeah, you've got that avenue, uh, and then you've got the whole survival of the fittest type thing mm -hmm. and human nature. But mm -hmm. that's the thing that really had a hard time for me at the outset, because if you're going to have this experiment, they set it up like it's this big experiment. Well, we know how this experiment goes from real life. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have the word experiment in your title, you think of the Stanford Prison Experiment, which they made a very effective film of a couple of years ago, but you know how that goes in real life. It doesn't take long before people get very, very cruel. Yeah, and you know, this that's what this is. It's very it's very Stanford Prison Experiment meets Lord of the Flies is what yeah. this is, you yeah. know. And and so again, I mean, it's they're not treading any new territory. They're, They're not. not offering any new insights. They're not very funny. And in fact, what they are more than anything is just kind of predictable and bland. Yeah, I, I thought so. E even to the point where we we were the only ones who stayed around through the entire credits because we thought maybe, maybe. they might throw us a curveball mm -hmm. at the end. They did in Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. Right. Uh, so we thought with, with uh, James Gunn involved, maybe there, there, there wasn't. No. <laughs> so... Now, if you do go to see this movie, you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, uh, not really anything new. And as you said, not any fresh bloodshed, mm -hmm. which if you enjoy that sort of thing, and we do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Greg McClain certainly did that in Wolf Creek. Yes. Uh, but it's not here. So there's really nothing nothing here to speak of. I mean, it, it, I can see opening it next to Beauty and the Beast because it certainly is a polar opposite audience you're going for here. But I uh, can't really recommend no. the Belco experiment this week. There are uh, two or three good ones coming out on Blu-ray and streaming and DVD this week. The Oscar nominee, Fences. We have talked about that before, how much we like it. Denzel yeah. Washington stars. Denzel Washington directs. Viola Davis won an Oscar. You know our complaint about that. She won for Best Supporting when she should have been the lead. But she did win, much deserving. Not only the leads, but the whole supporting cast. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. In the adaptation of August Wilson's uh, award-winning play. And it's 
if you haven't seen it, this is the chance. If you mm-hmm. want to get it on streaming, uh, please do. It's great. Another one we like very much, a foreign film, Oscar-nominated film yes. called L. Yeah, which we should give you the heads up. I mean, it is a difficult film, and you're going to spend the entire time maybe angry at every single character, including the heroine, but uh, it's worth it. And and if, if for no other reason, it is worth it for Isabel Huppert's astonishing performance. Yeah, she plays a rape victim who then makes some very curious choices curious choices about how to frustrating choices deal with uh maybe going after her perpetrator so yeah that's all we'll say about that but her performance does make and make the movie it really does directed by paul verhoven who is a bit it can be controversial sketchy. He can be sketchy yeah he can but boy <laughs> Boy, does she make it work. Uh, very, very uh, deserving of the Oscar nomination. In fact, I thought if there was going to be a spoiler in that race for Best Actress, it was going to be Agreed. her. Agreed. Yep. Yeah, but uh, so that is worth seeing, if you know what you're in for. The and other one we want to <laughs> recommend. This is so fun, especially if you're a horror fan, but even if you're not, if you have just an ounce of feminism in you, The Love Witch. It's fun. It's funny. It's weird. It's a throwback to, like, 68 to 72 horror films, mm-hmm. Black Mass. It's so fun. It looks glorious. And um, and and you're going to go like 10 or 15 minutes in, you're going to be like, this is not for me. Stick it out. Because then eventually <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, no, this is really quite clever. <laughs> so the Love Witch loved it. And a couple other high-profile titles coming out this week. That it's, you should pass Sadly, on. we don't recommend Passengers. A big disappointment for us with Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. Some serious star power there in space. But, boy, very disappointing. And a more star power in Collateral Beauty. More disappointing. I hate. <laughs> I hate this movie. It was just a very, another very clear Oscar bait movie oh from God. Will Smith. And, and it, oh my God, the, the wasted talent in this movie yeah. just makes you want to vomit. Yeah, so we recommend passing on those. Next week, boy, it's a bit of a mixed mixed bag. Not a lot to get excited about. Hopefully we'll be proved wrong. There's a big science fiction in space movie coming out next week called Life. Which, you know, there's a great cast. But the whole thing looks too alien to me. Yeah, it really does. Especially with another alien coming out. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see about that. Power Rangers, back to Mm. maybe your childhood, not mine. I never watched the Power Rangers, but they're going to be on the big screen. And one that I think, hopefully I'm wrong, this one smells like a great big huge bomb, and that is the big screen remake of Chips. Yeah, I just, I think maybe 10 years ago, but... I just don't see this working out. Well, as we said before, we got to give these movies open the mind. benefit of the doubt, open-minded, open but at least from the trailers, smells like a bomb. So we will see. Well, let us know. Uh, what do you think about mainly Beauty and the Beast, or if you're a horror fan, Belco Experiment? Keep the conversation going. We love it on Twitter. That's the easiest way. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're at Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, all the written reviews at madwolf.com. Plus, you can get some fun with our So That Happened column. <laughs> and this week, it's your take on doing Lent. That's right. So, uh, always a lot of fun to check us out there and uh, hope we'll get in touch. And until next week, the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. I'm George Wolf. I'm Holt Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. Be our guest. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner.